So uh, good morning, happy Father's Day. So my initial heart in the beginning when I was pointing out Mike was uh, I just felt God's heart is, you know, that the men in this room are lions and priests in his kingdom. And uh, that's what you are. And don't let anybody tell you otherwise because that's the heart of God. You are lions and priests. And I pray that that revelation over your life just increase as God reveals more of himself, uh, of who he is. So this morning I'd like to talk about living a life of faith. I want to share a little bit about uh, my experience and my testimony of walking this life out with Jesus. And um, before I start, I wanted to ask Marie if she wants this with, uh, with gravy or without gravy. You want gravy? All right, we'll get you some gravy. So I've got a bunch of stuff to get through, so I'm just going to get straight on in. Uh, in the beginning, I'm going to read a couple of things just to get a foundation, and uh, we'll go from there. The Bible says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical Let me start that uh, stopwatch so that I can keep track here. Love that translation. Let me say right off the bat that faith is simply believing God above the natural. A living relationship with Jesus. Living a life of faith means never knowing where you're being led. It literally is a life of faith. Not of understanding, not of reason. A life of knowing Him. The one who calls us. A life of faith is never walked alone. Jesus not only goes with us, but he supplies all we need for the assignment. Uh, When I first got saved, I was absolutely captivated by the fact and the reality that Jesus is real and that he's alive. It became clear to me, the lights came on, that I was purposed, that I was made. God knew me long before I was born on this earth. And that radically changed my paradigm, the way I looked at life. And I followed and chose to run after him with all I had. When I first got saved, I was coming out of a lot of stuff. And uh, life, it was really hard for me. I had... um, uh, the, The people at the church that I joined said to me, look, man, because of this black hole of my past life, it was like a vacuum. It would just, every day, it would draw me and try and attract me back to where I was coming out of. And um, so I was going to church every time the doors were open. If it was a mother's prayer group, I was there. You know, I I, I just needed to be in God's presence. And uh, so, and I'd just been going through, uh, it seemed like a, a long time where I was um, making a lot of decisions that were uh, of resisting my old life and the temptation of it. And I was deliberately making a lot of decisions uh, to, to keep close to God. So I, I was actually exercising things to, to stay out of that place where I was at. And it, it was a Friday, and uh, I, th- I just got to the end of myself. I felt so... I was in such a bad place. I, 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 
And I just got mad at God and I said, you know, I'm going out tonight. That's it. I'm going to go out and I'm going to do everything. I'm going to go and just let it all go. All that stuff I've been resisting, I'm going out. And I heard, I heard Jesus said to me, I don't want you to go out. And I said, I'm going out, man. I was in the shower, washing myself, putting on my clothes and hardened my heart, saying, I'm going to go out. And Jesus just said to me, don't go out. I eventually made it out the door and I was standing at my car and I was overwhelmed by God. And uh, I said to him, well, if you don't want me to go out, what do you want me to do? I say I said, but I actually shouted it because of this tension. You know what he said to me? He said, I want you to go to your room and worship me. And I'm like, what? So I did. By the grace of God, I turned around and I went to my room. I closed the door and I put a worship CD on. And as I raised my hands to start worshiping God, it felt like God stepped into my room. His presence was like cream. I, I, I was so overwhelmed by his love and his goodness that I was literally, a couple of hours went by and it was, uh, I was just overwhelmed by his presence. So that was one of those experiences in my life where it's like in the Old Testament, they would build a pile of stones to remember because it was such a powerful encounter with him that I, I could build those stones and I can, even now I think it's 20 years ago and I remember it, the life is still on that, on that testimony. So I made it through the night, thank goodness, and I didn't go out and uh, create havoc in my life. So a couple of years later, uh, God was calling me to leave the town that I was living in and he was calling me to go to a city uh, in South Africa that there was a Bible college I wanted to go to and there was a church that I wanted to go I had a nice job at the time and I had this big truck that I used to drive around. And uh, I realized if I'm going to go to this other city, I had to quit my job and move to the city to go and do what I felt God was telling me to do. So I was like, man, I got this big truck. I won't be able to afford it. What am I going to do? I'm going to have to downsize and, and get a new vehicle, which was downsizing. So I was driving around Johannesburg one day and in my thoughts, I was driving around and I saw this little car drive by and I was like, oh, if I'm going to go to Peter Maritzburg, that city, I want a car just like that. And it was a Renault Clio. It was a gray Renault Clio. I don't know if you guys know Renaults. You don't get them in the U.S. I think they're Italian or, or, or French or one of those brands. And I forgot about it. A couple of weeks later, I took my big truck. I called a friend of mine. She, she was a, a, a car salesman. She said, Gavin, bring your truck. Put it on the, put it on the floor, and we'll, uh, we'll see if we can sell it for you. Two weeks later, she called me. Gav, we've got to buy it for your car. Come on in. He's ready to go. He's ready to make the decision. Go sign some paperwork. So I get there. I find out he's got a trade-in. He's trading in a car on my, on my truck. So I'm like... I don't remember the details because it was a long time ago. But essentially, this guy was from out of, out of town. He was on vacation, so he had time to go and look for vehicles. He came across our, my friend's dealership, and he, his car had become too small. 
his gray Renault Clio that it had become too small for his family. So he came and he traded it on my truck and it all worked out. I got a gray Renault Clio that God had spoken into my heart weeks ago about this move. Just, and he mildly just affirmed what he was doing and that it was right in that one thing. It just, it shut everything else up. Because I know my earthly father and everybody else is, you're crazy, you're quitting your job, you go to another city, you don't know, what are you doing? It's not wise. All the counsel I was getting was just not to do it. And God, in one act of sovereignty, just sealed it that it's, that it's good. Um, so I moved to the city, got involved, and it's never easy. So one, one more little testimony. I was living in a little one-bedroom apartment at the back of somebody's house. And um, I was just, I was struggling. You know, we struggle, right? And the one night I was praying, or should I say I was complaining, and um, I was explaining to God why all this stuff was so hard. And uh, I was just sitting in my room, the lights were off, and I got this vision. And in this vision, I was instantly in this desert and I was walking on this road and it was hot and I could feel the sun and it was just beating down on me. And uh, I was making my way along the hot sand and suddenly this cloud just came across the sun and this cool breeze starting to blow across my face. And God just spoke to me and said, you, you're on the right road, but you have to go on. I know it's tough. And the cloud moved away from the sun. The sun kept going. And that was the vision. But when I came out of vision, I was reinvigorated. I was encouraged. I was filled. And I had faith for the next day. So these are just a couple of testimonies from my own life where God calls us to step out in faith. It's a, it's a journey that we never, he never calls us to walk that alone. He walks with us every day. Day by day, he walks with us to take us to the promise that he has got for each of us. If you guys have an iPhone or whatever your choice of media is, could you turn to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7? By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, and as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs, with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise. And so from this one, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. Awesome testimony of people choosing to trust God 
above the natural. Noah. Amazing. Let me read this. Noah built a massive ark in the desert by faith in what God had spoken to him about a flood. He endures ridicule from everyone, yet he persisted because he believed what God had spoken. Let that sink in a little bit. This guy built a boat in a desert. This guy built a boat in the desert. Can you imagine? He was the local attraction because it wasn't a little boat. It was huge. What are we going to do? Hey, let's go and watch Noah. Build that, that crazy guy out in the desert who thinks there's water out there. He totally ignored the natural. Believed God's word and built a boat in the desert. Abraham, Abraham left his home and had no idea where he was going. He lived in tents with his sons in expectancy of inheriting God's promises. God said to Abraham, go. Abraham said, where? And God said, don't you worry, I got this. Right? Sarah, well look, Sarah was old. Really old. Let's not mess around here. She was old. But because she considered him faithful who had promised, she was able to conceive. It does not say what Sarah did in the Bible. But I assure you, she went, she built a room, she got a crib, and she started gathering in expectation of the promise of God. So the word says Abraham and Sarah were as good as dead physically, and from them was birth descendants as many as the innumerable grains of sand on the seashore. So God delights in doing the impossible. So for good measure, I just want to throw two more guys in there worth a note. Moses. It says in Hebrews that Moses abandoned a life of luxury and ease as the son of Pharaoh in Egypt because he considered the reproach of Christ of greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. Jehoshaphat. Love this guy. King Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah. There was a time when the surrounding nations decided to take on Jehoshaphat. They all got together and they said, it's time, let's go get him. So the, pe the messengers started coming to Jehoshaphat and said, hey, Jehoshaphat, they're coming. They're just on the other side of the Red Sea. Jehoshaphat was alarmed. So what's, what's he do? He goes to consult the Lord. He calls the nation together. He says, guys, we've got to fast. We've got to seek the Lord. So they all come together and they start seeking God. They remind God of a few things because they could have beaten these guys up a couple of years ago, but they went on by. And now they, so they reminded God of a couple of things, but they humbled themselves before God. And the, and the Holy Spirit fell on a Levite, and the Levite prophesied, don't worry about it. I'll give you the victory. You're not going to have to do anything. Nothing. I'll take care of this. You won't even have to do anything except go out and stand your ground. So what does Jehoshaphat do? He calls the elders. So what are we going to do about this good news we just received? Well, we're going to win, right? So let's put the singers 
out in front of the army. Let's put the singers out in front. So they did that. That's like, that's like having the after party before the victory, right? Put the singers in front. We're just going to praise God. And so the, the singers went out. And lo and behold, the, the nations came. And they turned on each other and totally wiped each other out. And Judah had to do nothing. God gave them victory. And what do we see here? Jehoshaphat trusted God. Jehoshaphat knew God. God was with Jehoshaphat on this journey. And God did what Jehoshaphat, God did what he said he was going to do. So what can we see from these guys? They believed and trusted God above the natural. It's vital in this walk of faith that we trust God above the natural because the natural is never going to agree with the eternal. Never. But we are assured that he is with us. God is looking for simple trust in him. He wants us to trust him. He wants us to believe that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. I'm just going to read this because I, I, I want to make sure I cover all of this. These are the heroes of faith because they had confidence in God to do the impossible and therefore ordered their life and their steps according to their confidence in him. Not that they didn't falter. We see Ishmael as a prime example of Abraham trying to work out the promise of God in his own flesh. But these men and women believed wholeheartedly and walked out their faith every day with God. God delights in doing the humanly impossible to show his trustworthiness and that with him all things are possible. Just, about, just as I'm reading that, I, the, the testimony is so important. And I think it's a culture at restoration that we have to nurture and encourage because testimony carries the life of the goodness and the faithfulness of God. And as we share of what he's doing in our life, it carries life. And it encourages us in whatever we are doing uh, in our individual lives and our walks with Jesus. So the question this morning is, are you like Jehoshaphat today? Have you received a bad report? Is there a promise of God that is in direct conflict to what you are experiencing today? Is there a hope, a belief in your heart that you cannot see a humanly possible way of it to happen? Is there a Red Sea in front of you? In that moment, do you surrender yourself to God and trust him? Or do you lean on your own understanding and run for the hills? In the Bible, we see example of passionate lovers of God who though they kept the faith, were not exempt from human struggle in believing in the face of conflict. So what are some of the pitfalls that we can face in our daily walk in faith? One, we can despair that we will never see God's promises fulfilled. That's real. That's real. 
It's through faith and patience and perseverance. David was a chosen and anointed as the unseen youngest son as king and was crowned king and lived happily ever after. No, King Saul didn't like David. He was jealous about David and he sought to kill David. He chased him around the desert for years. David ran for his life. David was convinced that he would someday die by the hands of Saul, even though all this great stuff had been spoken over him. Not only did he despair that he would not live to be king, but he also looked to men for protection instead of God. Megan and I recently heard a story of a songwriter out in LA who had experienced some mediocre level of success, uh, but he always had a bigger dream and he felt that he just well, hadn't stepped into that. He was in his late 50s, probably early 60s, so he went and he was talking to his pastor and his pastor sort of encouraged him with the story of Jesus and uh, just what Jesus accomplished in three years. Uh, we cannot limit God because we perceive ourselves to be too old or to have missed the season of fulfillment. After this guy met with his faith was engaged again and he was stirred up. And a few months later, he wrote a song that he sold to a very famous artist that shot to, the, to number one on the charts. And he went on, went on to have many more successes. So we can have moments of despair but we need to engage our faith and trust that God will outwork his promises in our life. We can misunderstand God's timing and in our immaturity find disappointment instead of fulfillment. A couple of years ago, well, probably a decade ago, I, uh, God was speaking to me about a bunch of stuff and uh, I was excited and I was filled with faith and it, it doors, I, I read a book and I was like, I'm gonna, he spoke to me and I'm, I'm gonna go to the UK. So I quit my job again and I moved to London, England. And I had this, I went with such excitement in my heart. And uh, I got there and for two years I laid down foundations with this hope that this was the start of what God was going to begin to do in my life. Got to the end of two years and I was like, all right, my visa's running out. What am I going to do? So the company I worked for said, okay, we will apply for an extension for you because we value you and we, we would like you to stay. So they applied because in the UK, you can't apply as a person, but a company can apply on your behalf. So they applied for me and was denied. So I was, that's okay. I stood there in faith and I said, God's going to make a way. Don't you worry about this. So they hired an attorney and they appealed and they said, no, he's got to stay. He's, we like this guy. He's, he's good for our company. And the government said, we don't like him. He's got two weeks to get out of the country. And that was it. After two years of standing and fighting and believing, I packed my life up into 20 kilograms and I got on a plane and I went back to South Africa. So... Let me just say, it, it took me a long time to get over that. 
I felt that God had let me down. I felt that um, I felt that He let me down, and there was a, a a break in that trust. And God, in His gentleness, wooed me back and explained to me that those were my plans, that I put onto Him. Those weren't His plans. But what did happen? I met my wife. You know. So amongst all of that, God did some awesome stuff without me even realizing it. We can make our own plans. Abraham believed God and dreamed with him, but his body was old and Sarah was past the years of childbirth. So Abraham and Sarah thought they would help God out and make a plan. And Abraham slept with Sarah's maid, and so we have the birth of Ishmael. Number four, we can feel abandoned by God in the darkest hours. On the cross, Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus asked, If possible, this cup be taken from me. But he chose to be obedient, even when faced with grief and suffering. So we have biblical examples of heroes and of Jesus himself who had to go through some stuff challenging stuff to their walk of faith let me just say it's okay to struggle it's okay to struggle to walk out this faith what we cannot do is abandon our confidence in God because there is a great reward for those who hold fast to their trust in him a couple of things to avoid during hard times don't harden your hearts Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. When you harden your heart, it's like you dig your heels in and you actively oppose God in your life. You're actually, you, you, you put your head against his and you start pushing back. That's what it means to harden your heart. We see in Exodus the example of Israel being delivered from Egypt. Phenomenal story. Amazing deliverance. The Egyptians literally paid them to leave. After these signs and wonders, they gave them their jewels and gold. Please, leave. They had a cloud by day and a fire by night. Let me say something. The Bible says there were 600,000 men that left Egypt, not counting the wives and the kids. That's a lot of people. Let me just say there was a big fire. There was a big fire. That was a sign for everybody to say these are God's people. God provided manna for them daily, fresh, and water from a rock. Yet Israel hardened their hearts and would not believe in God. They hardened their hearts and always went astray. And the result, they never entered the promised land. And they died in the wilderness. Two, I'm so guilty of this one. Don't moan and complain. Israel wished to go back to Egypt and back into slavery because they didn't believe God's goodness and trustworthiness to lead them to the land of promise. They just didn't believe it. 
they allowed their circumstances to dictate to them how they were going to respond to this. Don't have an unbelieving heart. Hebrews 3.12, take care, brothers. Least there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God, a heart that refuses to trust and rely on the Lord. We cannot be double-minded in our faith. The word says that we're like a wave that's tossed by the wind. Everything that comes in our life is going to push us around and get us going in a different direction. So in conclusion, when you look out at all the uncertainties coming your way tomorrow, the next day, and the next day, and you're contemplating acts of obedience that might be risky, when you don't know what's going to happen, you do what Sarah did. You consider him faithful. Our faith is not just our religion or our belief in God. It's a daily walk with a living God. Our faith will be challenged, but it will also be strengthened. It's normal in the face of adversity to question if we've heard God or to question whether we will ever see his promises. But what we can't do is abandon our trust and our faith and belief in him. Even if we are faithless, he is still faithful to do what he has said he is going to do. If I may, can I pray for us? Um, if you don't mind standing, that would be awesome. Father, I thank you that you are close always. Your word says that you are here right now. I pray, Lord, that you would make us aware of that reality that you hear, that you're close to us. I was praying this morning and God just put Psalm 139 on my heart. It just speaks of how God made us, that he knit us together, that he knew us from the foundations of the earth. And I just really believe that's God's heart for us this morning. He wants us to know that, that you are important, that he knows your name, that you are purposed for a time and a season just like this. He knows you. He knows how he designed you. And he's calling us all to walk into a place where we were designed to operate and to live. So Father, I just pray, Lord, this morning that a spirit of revelation would come to each person standing here this morning, that they would know your heart towards them that you would stir them even now, Lord, in those promises that you have over their lives, 
I pray, Father, for those that are weary, those that are facing Red Seas, those that are facing challenges that they cannot get out of from a human perspective. And I pray, Lord, would you part the Red Sea? Would you pour out your spirit this morning to encourage the weary? Lord, would you pour out your love and your spirit on those that don't know how much you love them? That they don't know that they're the apple of your eye, that you held nothing back for them. You gave it all that you may know them and have intimacy and fellowship with them. So, Father, I just pray for a release of heaven right, right now, Lord, over each person. And I pray, Lord, that they would know your heart, that they would know your love. So we bless you, Lord, this morning. We thank you. We thank you um, for this time. We thank you for your word. Father, I just want to say we've been talking about a life of faith and we've been talking about how Jesus walks with us in this life, how he calls us to a purpose, how he calls us to a destiny, how he calls us to a promised land where the design encounters the designer and life is birth and joy and fulfillment in those things that are not just physical but eternal. I do want to say this morning, and if you don't know this Jesus that I've been talking about this morning, you don't know him, the Holy Spirit would be wooing your heart right now. You'll know. He'll be calling you. He'll be stirring your heart. And if you feel that, if you feel him calling and you want to respond to him this morning, I would say, respond and see what the Lord will do. If you want, I don't want to call anybody out, but if you want us to pray for you, please come see me or Hugh afterwards. And uh, we'll be happy to pray with you. So we just thank you, God, this morning. We just thank you for your love. We thank you for your presence. Happy Father's Day, Father. You are the Father of all. Yes. Happy Father's Day. We love you. We bless you. We, we are, are so privileged uh, to know you. So we just uh, we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name.